Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes Podcast, where we dive deep into the tools, laws, and yes, processes that you need to know in order to scale and grow your organization. On this podcast, we help you structure your business processes to make your people your organization's greatest competitive advantage. Don't forget, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any podcatcher of your choice. You can also subscribe at peopleprocesses.com, which will give you exclusive subscriber-only content. Here is your host, Rami Alajil, author and CEO of People Processes. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Rami Alijil, and I'm going to show you a little bit about the new PPP forgiveness applications. Uh, there are now two of them, one an easy version, one a full version. We're going to talk about which one you should use, and then we'll walk through them. So to get started, uh, we have the four documents that you need to download. I'll include them in the email that you probably got when you were looking at this. There is a forgiveness calculation form. You can consider this the full application. Uh, it's only five pages, but it's got some complexity to it. The 3508EZ, which is the quick and easy form, just three pages. And then there are instructions for each one. So let's start with instructions for how uh, to choose which form to use. If you fall... Uh, at, under at least one of the three boxes below, at least one, you can do the easy form. You do not submit the instructions with the form. It's just, here's how it works. So, number one. <coughs> Excuse me. If you are a self-employed individual, an independent contractor, or sole proprietor who had no employees when you applied, use form easy. If you did not reduce annual salary or hourly wages of any employee by more than 25% during the covered period or alternative covered period compared to January 1 to March 31, 2020. So if you take January 1 to March 31, 2020, get your average pays, and then you can compare that to your covered period. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, if it's all the same, excepting those who made over 100000 if they still make over 100000 uh, then this applies. And not only the average um, in terms of hourly wages and annual salary, but also the number of employees and the average paid hours of employees between January 1, 2020 and the end of the covered period. Uh, you can ignore reductions that arose from an inability to rehire individuals. So if you were going well through March, uh, or uh, uh, March 31, and then you dropped a bunch of people, cool, uh, and then you brought a bunch of people back, and now we're all back here at the end of the covered period, except for a few people who wouldn't come back to work, that's fine. You get to, you get to count them as coming back as long as you offered them the job formally and they declined. Or, or so you have to have both of those. Or um, the borrower did not reduce annual salary or hourly wages of any employee by more than 25% during the covered period or alternative period compared to those between January 1 and March 31. And this is key. You didn't cut anybody's pay, their wage or their salary, but you were unable to operate during the covered period at the same level of business as before February 15th 
due to compliance with requirements established or guidance issued between March 1, 2020 and December 31 by HHS, Center, CDC, those kind of people. Uh, and it had to be specifically related to the maintenance of standards of sanitation, social distancing, or other work. If you can check any one of these sets of three boxes, uh, you are able to use the easy form. If you wound up having salary reductions or average number of employee reductions, you have to still use the longer form. Okay? Now, at this time, uh, most of this is the same instructions basically between the two forms, so I'm just going to use the easy form instructions for now. Most of the information on here is very straightforward. It's your loan number, your name, how many employees you had at the time of the loan application. It's on your loan application. Number of times that you're forgive of uh, at the forgiveness application, whatever you have now, it's all there. These are the two sections that have changed significantly: covered period versus alternative covered period. Let's talk about the covered period first. The covered period now has two options. You can either use uh, well, actually, I think on the the yeah, oh, there it is. Number two, I was just skipping. Okay. If you, if you received your loan before June 5th, 2020, you may elect to use an eight-week covered period. So if you got this back in April, like many people, and you were working under the assumption that it's an eight-week repayment period, fine. You can continue to do that. However, the new option is there is a 24-week period beginning on the PPP loan disbursement date. So... If the borrower is using a 24-week covered period and receive the proceeds on April 20th, then the first day of the covered period is April 20th, and the last day of the covered period is Sunday, October 4th. In no event may the covered period extend beyond December 31, 2020, so uh, it won't matter right now, but some people later on this year are going to have some trouble with that. There is a slight alternative to that. If you are bi-weekly or weekly, you can schedule, uh, you can elect to start the covered period instead on the disbursement date. Okay, still you have the eight week or the 24 week option. But instead, you would start the period that begins on the first day of the first pay period following their loan disbursement date. Pay period is not payday, it's pay period. It's the days you're paying people for. So on a bi weekly, let's say you run Monday through Sunday, Monday through Sunday and then you pay the next Friday. If along the way you get your PPP loan, you're going to be able to wait until the next pay period start to start counting your 8 or 24 weeks. So loan disbursement date, you can use that day, or you can go to the first day of the first pay period that starts after that. Okay? So those are the key terms you need to know. Let's go through the easy application. So this is the 3508 easy name, DBA, business address, primary contact, loan number, lender number, amount of loan, day you had it dispersed, number of time, number of employees you had at the time of the application, number of time employees you have now. If you got an EIDL, you have to put that in there, but most of you didn't. Payroll schedule, let's say you're bi-weekly, you now put in the covered period. This is going to be either the 8 or 24 week period. If you're twice a month or monthly, starting on the day that you got the money, you got it April 20th, it went in your bank April 20th, starts April 20th. Remember that if it's, if you got the disbursement on a Wednesday, for example, a week runs until the following Tuesday, not the following Wednesday, okay? That would be a week and a day. 
So when you look at your calendar, you want to go from the next, you want to go from Wednesday to the next Tuesday, that's one week, and then count Tuesdays all the way through eight weeks or 24 weeks to get this date. Your alternative covered payroll period, if that applies to you as a bi-weekly or weekly person, you can wait to start the period on the first day uh, of the following pay period. You still have to put in the covered period. You have to put both of them in. If you receive more than $2 million, check that. That's the audit me later box. Okay. All right. Payroll costs. This is super easy. You put in the sum of your payroll costs that do, that do not, uh, that include your major medical, your employer, I'm sorry, your employer contributions to benefits, your employer contributions to retirement, and your employer contributions to state taxes, along with the gross pay of your employees, normally subtracting out any, 10, uh, subtracting out any 1099 payments. So that all goes right here on payroll costs, mortgage interest, rent or lease, and utilities. You just put them there here. Add the lines together here on line five, and then on line six, put in your loan amount, okay? Line seven, it says payroll cost 60% requirement. Divide line one by 0.6. Uh, point, divide by 0.6, okay? So if this is 100,000, it's not saying multiply by 0.6, divide by 0.6. It's going to make a bigger number. It's going to give you a total so that that's a, a piece of it, okay? So uh, don't worry if you look at that and it feels a little weird. Whichever one of these five numbers is the smallest, that's how much you get forgiven. Either the loan amount, the amount of all your expenses, which could exceed that, or the payroll cost requirement will limit you. One of those, put that number there. Number eight, you've done all your math. Pretty cool. Then you have to go through and sign all these things. You have to promise that these were used for eligible forgiveness, payroll cost issues, the funds were not knowing for unauthorized purposes, you didn't reduce salaries by wages more than 25%. This is one of those requirements to use the easy form. Uh, that you verified those things, that you gave your lender copies of everything, uh, that you've provided all the supporting documents, uh, that, uh, that they're correct. Uh, you're going to go to jail or get a major lawsuit, uh, a, a civil penalty if you don't. Uh, the tax documents you're going to use to justify these are going to be the same as you submit to the IRS. The, I, the SBA can request additional information. And again, because this is the uh, easy form, you did not reduce the number of employees or the average paid hours of employees between January 1 and the end of the cover period, or you were unable to operate between February 15th and the end of the cover period at the same level of business activity as before February 15th due to compliance issues. Okay? Signature, print, date, title, give to your banker. Uh, then there's a question if you'd like to fill out a thing about the uh, uh, demographics on, on the bar. Okay, that is the easy form. The complicated form, called the calculation form, same info up top. If you notice, this first page, exactly the same as the easy form. Same um, uh, pieces here, only you're not having to certify certain things about 25% of your, uh, not reducing wages more than 25%, not laying off staff, because you're using the complicated form if you did. If so, what you have to do is fill out this Schedule A. You're first going to look at you know, Schedule A here is salary or hourly wage reduction. We're going to look to see if uh, we've wound up reducing the average pay rate. Okay. Then we're going to do uh, Table 2, which is going to look to determine if your average number of employees has gone down, uh, the number of full-time equivalents. Then you're going to look at uh, non-cash -ca compensation. So we're going to take a look at the... Uh, 
these are the ones that are the employee health insurance, the employee retirement plans. Those go in there. And then you're going to look at the compensation owners and put them all together. The way they do that is they give you this worksheet. They have you do it by employee, employee name, employee ID, cash compensation, average full-time equivalency, i.e. full-time or less. And if they had any sort of reduction, do all the math, come out there and uh, do it. Now, if you're one of our clients in uh, our people processes system, we have a data export called a PPP data export, PPP forgiveness export, I believe. And in it, it will lay all of these out in this exact same row. So you can just pull it all in, does your uh, thing. You set the dates of your uh, covered period or your alternative covered period, and it will do all your limiters, like up to 100,000 annualized in compensation, and give you these totals. The bottom line is that as you follow these instructions, it's going to help you determine how much you reduced by percentage the wages of your employees or the hours of your employees or the number of your employees. Each one of those things are the things you're going to go through. Once you have all that information down here, when you fill out the actual application, uh, it's going to wind up with this line seven reduction quotients, salary hourly wage reductions, it will lower the amount you can be forgiven because you've lowered the amount you were paying by more than 25%, which is part of the law. So that's the two different forms. The, this one is more complicated. You just have to follow the instructions. The main thing is getting the data. Again, if you're one of our clients, we have it all for you. I'm sure if you're with another payroll company, they probably can generate something that will give you uh, that information. Okay, I'm going to uh, put both of the instruction pages along with the easy and the complex um, uh, forgiveness application. And you'll probably be seeing this through email or a link through social media. So we should have those linked on our site in our COVID resources page. I hope you found this helpful. I know it was a little long-winded, but uh, I tried to cover some detail, but not too much. If you have any questions, please contact us at peopleprocesses.com. Reach out to us on social media. Uh, I'd love to help, and I hope this video was helpful to you. Good luck with you, and have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at People Processes. Go to peopleprocesses.com, subscribe, and get some of our subscriber-only content. And if you got something out of this, make sure you share it with anyone you know. Thank you for tuning in. Now it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.